0: <laughs> hello everybody welcome to another episode of the drum corps podcast today we're going to be watching raiders 2016 with a very wonderful cast of characters we got <laughs> maddie sharbell and sebastian uh, who all marched that year on the Hello, online. everybody welcome to um, another episode of the drum really corps psyched to have you guys today. thanks for coming we're on going to be watching raiders and let's go straight to introductions cast of characters. um maddie what's your deal
1: Um, Hello, hi. All right, so I'm Maddie. I marched Raiders 15 and 16, then I marched at Phantom Regiment 17 and 18, and then I aged out at Bluecoats 2019. So I've been doing this for a while, (laughs) Um, and I currently teach 5th and 6th grade band in Flemington, New Jersey.
0: Awesome, and Charbel, what's going on?
2: Hey, I'm Charbel. I marched Raiders in 15 and 16, went to C2 in 2017. And then I joined the cadets in 2018 and I've been there, uh, up until now. I'm the horn sergeant for, uh, the 2020, 2021 season. And, uh, yeah, New Jersey. That's basically it. (laughs) Hey,
0: and Sebastian, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh, hello everyone. I'm Sebastian.
3: I marched Raiders in 15 and 16. I took 17 off, but then I aged out at cadets marching with them in 18 and 19. And right now, I'm just finishing my senior year at Rutgers University. So once again, go New Jersey.
0: (laughs) Awesome. It's great to have you all on. Um, So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about Raiders and Open Class? Um, I'm sure for a lot of people, uh, this might be their first introduction to uh, Open Class or to Raiders. So uh, what was it like marching there? And uh, how did you uh, come to find yourselves there?
3: Oh, man. That's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, like I, I set you of. up with
0: a lot. There, there's a lot there. Um
3: okay, I guess I could jump off with that one. What is open class? Uh basically the same thing as world class, uh except on a much smaller scale, uh literally and figuratively. So a lot of people that come into open class, I'm like generalizing here, but it's new people to the activity. Uh, talking about drum corps specifically and you know people that want to experience what drum corps is like what the drum corps life is like but they don't want to you know commit an entire summer or commit the fee of marching world class especially nowadays the fee of world class just being you know much more than open class Um, and then what are raiders raiders is uh, the humble uh, New Jersey Open Class Corps. It is the only Open Class Core in New Jersey. Uh, so if you are from or know about New Jersey Drum Corps, there are a handful that I think we'll be talking about later, maybe briefly, but New Jersey is the only uh, Open Class, or Raiders is the only ra- Open Class in New Jersey. Um, and then I can't speak for the other two friends here, but for me, uh, I actually heard about Raiders like through word of mouth. Uh, I was... Going, i was in my junior year of high school i really wanted to do drum, uh, drum corps but i knew i didn't want to commit to a whole world-class summer and i had a friend in my marching band back in my high school who marched raiders like the previous year and she was like hey come with me come to the camp and then i went to camp fell in love i was like this is what i want to do and then i committed
1: i say yeah. my story is kind of similar i i had a friend who was from my high school. I originally was a flute player. So at that point, I think I'd played trumpet for a year or two. And I wasn't ready for sure to go world class. But I was definitely interested. And I was looking around at opportunities. And that was just kind of one of the ones that came to me. And I said, Okay, I'll try it. And I think January camp was my first camp. So I missed a few. But then I just got right in. And I loved it. And I stayed and I had a great time. And it kept me going. So um, word of mouth seems to be familiar
2: theme here, yeah. I remember I found out about it like sophomore year of high school, but in Jersey, school ends like up until you, you we we basically end in like July, like kind of like that last week of June. So really like world class was kind of out of the question, um, at least at the higher level um, for for me. So Raiders was a great option in that you know they do the two tours. And it kind of caters to more of a high school um, individual. And then I remember I sent an email in 2014, in the middle of like their summer, because they had a trumpet spot open. Never got an email back. And then I was like, okay, I'll just go audition in 2015. So I showed up to the audition in 15, and then you know, the rest is history.
4: Could you uh, elaborate on what you mean by two tours? Is it like?
1: Oh yeah. So in
4: the fall or is it, we had like a mini tour.
2: Yeah. okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we had like, instead of a traditional spring training, like you would call it um, we had basically weekends only in the month of May. And then once we got to June, there was, I want to say like a week, maybe a week and a half that we did our version of spring training where we moved into a specific location for multiple days in a row up until then we hadn't done that at all. So we moved in for multiple days in a row, learned the bulk of our show and our drill and at the end of that, we had one show, which I think was the Clifton show, right? It was kind of the only really local show that we had. Yeah. And after that show, we went on a hiatus for two weeks and we did more weekend only stuff. And then we came back, um, I guess it would have been like mid-July, early mid-July for our like official tour where we actually left New Jersey and we went across to like Pennsylvania and we did more shows. And eventually that culminated in finals week um, in Michigan City for open class. And then they brought us to actual uh or world-class finals in indianapolis so we still got to experience all of that and then drive back 12 hours i guess it was back to new jersey
3: in
2: one shot
1: in one shot yeah
4: (laughs)
2: sometimes it'd be more than 12 hours just it was the, always more than bus 12 situation. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> a bus would light on fire or something yeah like that. yeah
1: and i think that's kind of similar to what drum corps used to be like before it was a consistent 80 something day streak it used to have kind of breaks in between for people who were working during the summer so it might be calling back to those roots
4: yeah. yeah and i think as we're talking open class i think it's important for our guests to understand that open class for DCI is a little bit different than WGI. Um, It took me, it took me a bit to understand that where um, I think the best example of like world-class and open class being different in WGI and DCI is uh, there's a group called pulse percussion that they have a feeder group that used to be called pulse open, but the way open class works in WGI is you get bumped up based off talent and it's not your decision. When the season's over you can advocate to put yourself up or down but during the season if like you're really freaking good you could like in the middle of march be told hey uh your a-class show is now open class um and i bring up pulse because there's a world-class group called pow percussion or pulse open world because it's pulses feeder group that got was so good they bumped up to world and they're like we're called pulse open but now we're in world uh So I guess like if Matrix has their open class group bump up to world class, they'll now, I guess, be called Mao or like Matrix Open World or something. But (laughs) it's all about talent in the WGI thing, because, again, we're all kind of in the same circuit. We all it's a lot easier to afford stuff. There's not a tour, per se, while the DCI side of things, um, as we'll we'll talk more about it later, is it's a strictly financial thing. Um, World class means that you can invest uh, a couple. I think I think there's like a cap. Or something I can't remember the exact requirements, but basically, if you're going world class, you're you have a bigger tour schedule, um, and that's about it. Like I know Music City was, I think the most recent one, Music City and Genesis just bumped up, and what that basically meant was that they're committing to a tour schedule, um, you know, because judges judge open class the same way they judge world class, so there's no difference there, and theoretically, a group could make finals as an open class group, but so at least moving forward. We're taught when we talk like why open class is it's a money thing and I think as we get into it later in our episode about why open class doesn't get as much love as it rightfully should is it's a financial decision that's really unfortunate um, so I just wanted to clarify that as we move into some other stuff as we start moving into Raiders 2016 uh, so what's what show are we going to watch tonight I know it's Raiders 2016 obviously but uh, what's it called? What's some of the repertoire? And yeah, and any fun stories we have to like to look for as viewers while we're watching it?
3: You
2: got this one, Charbel. Go ahead. I would, lo- I would love to talk about it. Okay, so the show Go is ahead. called Industrial Evolution. Um, we had three main pieces that year. So the first one was "Fearful Symmetries," which was uh, which is a composition by John Adams. And if you're familiar with John Adams' compositions, they're very technical and very difficult, especially to put onto a field. Um, and it certainly was a challenge for us in the beginning of the season, especially, all the way throughout the season, honestly, with timing um, and getting all that, which you're going you're gonna to see in the video. Um, then we went from there, played Him of Axiom by Vienna Tang, um, you know, pretty solid piece. Um, and then the closer was Bally Sacra." Um, another standard drum corps piece. So uh, from what I remember from the show, the, it was basically, okay, our, our country, our world is based off of industry. Um, pollution was a big thing. So we have, like, these banners in the back of the field. Uh, there's, like, factories on them and a bunch of other different types of things. And they're in black and white. Um, so we play the fearful symmetries. We're doing a bunch of, like, mechanical motions with our hands and stuff. Um, and then Vienna, the Vienna Tang piece the Axiom is kind of like, a, look what we did to the world. Now we got to clean it up. And then the banners rightfully turn around, reveal this agriculture, colors, farms, and stuff like that, um, super GE. And then uh, <laughs> then we play ballet soccer because ballet soccer is a great piece. And then we, we close it out. Uh, that's basically the, the general gist of it. It's like pollution, clean up our act, and then everything's pretty again i think my favorite
4: i think my favorite (laughs) description of marching band or a drum corps indoor it's like it's not knocking that it's like uh we're just gonna play this piece because it's cool and like i feel like we're one of the few genres it's just like we there's sometimes the piece might have nothing to do with actually what's happening but it's so good it's just like ballet soccer is just dope let's just (laughs)
2: yeah it's an an energizer it's just the way like uh holsinger composes too but the ballet soccer and drum corps is a very recognizable piece it's like playing copeland you know what i mean like you yeah. could end with copeland for every closer and people might get sick of it but at the end of the day it's still it's still copeland like people still love it yeah um so i think it's one of those
4: so you guys had a 22 person horn line this year correct
3: yes uh so <laughs> I feel like we can definitely bring that back to uh, the financial part of open class and the, one of the advantages that many world class uh, organizations have versus open class is the ability to like advertise and freely advertise over whatever expenses they want to spend as well as getting free advertisement um, just because they're big and they play loud and, and you know they have more extravagant shows. Uh, while open class, it feels that it's always a struggle to, you know, bring in more people. And I'm speaking from the hornline line side. Um, I know at least in the drum world, it's super, super hard to get into a, a drum chord, drum line. So that's why like there's always an abundance of auditionees for that section. But usually the hornline, it's, it's like pulling teeth um, for open class to getting a full horn line. And so when the 2016 season started, we had less than 25 people in the horn line. And one spring time came along and we were rehearsing outside, trying to put drill in the field. Someone above us, I believe it was a conversation between the Viz caption head and the brass caption head. They were like, okay, let's not try and, you know, write a book with holes in them deliberately. Because there were a lot of cores, it's like, oh, let's make uh, uh, the Vizh book have a few holes in them, and then we can fill them in as the summer goes along, as we're traveling comes across the country, and then some kids want to jump in or not. They made a decision, let's not do that. So from the beginning, our Vizh book, I believe, had like 22 dots. And we made it 22 dots on purpose, because that's all we had. And at that moment, everyone in the horn line had to be truly committed to the summer. There was like... you. You couldn't bag out. Not that you could bag out in, in the other <laughs> show, but this time it like actually mattered. Like we, Charbel, you were the only second trumpet out of yeah. <laughs> all, all the trumpets, right? So it's like we we really like couldn't bag out. You couldn't um, really hold back on anything in a twenty-two person horn line. We were so exposed, um, and I feel like we kind of played that to our advantage because even though we had twenty-two people in the horn line, I believe two-thirds of them were vets, if I'm, like, remembering that correctly. It, it, we had an incredible amount of vets return. It was just the new people um, wasn't, the numbers weren't, um, you know, balanced in that sense. So the 22-person horn line, we kind of used that to, like, our advantage to, like, show, like, even though we are small, we still can produce, like, a full and balanced and and well-coordinated sound. So
1: I think we yeah, got a comment. Yeah, we got a comment at some point. I think it was later in the season where there was, it was either on a judge's tape or from someone passing, like another court director passing. But they said, Wow, um, if I was just listening, I would have thought that was a 60 person horn line. I would not have known if I was just listening to that that it was only 20 some people. So that was, I guess, a, a testament to the fact that it's not necessarily about the numbers. But when we have that kind of commitment from the entire group and you're, Um, I guess, fluid and consistent with your approach, you're able to still get a pack of punch.
4: Yeah, I think it's something interesting that I hadn't thought about that like DCA has that problem as well. But I feel like, um, I don't know, Charbel, Gareth and I, like we had a tuba hole that we stopped trying to fill in like June and we're just like, Oh, that's what we- that's Wesley's spot. He's going to come back after finals and he's going to march it. And so like, I feel like DCA has the luxury of just like, all right, see the DCI is over. We have three holes to fill. People go make some calls. Let's get someone off tour and they'll come march us for. So like we actually have holes and we'll we'll plan for those holes. We'll like these three, we don't care about. They're being filled. And I feel like for open class, that's like, as you guys mentioned, that's like not a luxury. If you guys don't, if you guys have a 20, a 30 person dot book, but only 25 people show up, you now have five holes and it's the middle of like July and those holes are just not going to be filled. So it sounds interesting um, for Raiders and stuff like that to kind of like, how is it as a horn line? I know we're about to watch the show, but like to kind of have that perspective of, we aren't, no one's going home. We're all in this together. Was it a family aspect or was it a little bit different? Or like, how'd you guys come together knowing that if one person messes up, it's almost one tenth of the group messing up.
1: It definitely means you have to be accountable. Like, I think we all come into that with that understanding that we'd have to have some kind of responsibility for our own parts and our own drill and our own everything essentially. Um, and that if you were there and you're basically, your performance is going to be dependent on everyone else's in the group. So once you have that understanding with your other teammates or your other sec- even just your section itself, once you've got that, it kind of knits the group tighter because you know, that you have a mutual responsibility to the other people in your section. I think it's the same as any other team sport. You can think like if baseball, um, just, I don't even know anything about baseball, but like if you have a second base person that's not doing their job, you're going to have issues if if there's anyone that's not doing their job you're going to have issues so just being able to to have a group that understands that and accepts that especially early in the season like we did like we just decided to close the holes right away um in other years i know that hasn't been the case we might have marched with a few holes well until july before we decided to close them out even uh I think in 2015, we did that, but we ended up getting people from Coastal Surge midway through, rest in peace. Um, yeah, so we ha- yeah. we did have people come and fill the holes, but I feel like that's kind of rare, especially in the open class setting to also, be able to like, have that.
2: Well, because Coastal Sur- Sol- Surge uh, folded and then they came, but they didn't play. They just held the instruments. I remember like one of one of the trumpet players ended up marching. He was actually a snare drummer and in 2016, he played snare for us. So for, I, I think um, like... At least another part of it was 2015 for the organization wasn't that great. Um, And, you know, if you think about like bringing new people in, if you're uh, like a new kid and you're wanting to get into drum corps, open class, whatever it is, and you don't really have any ties to the organization, and you have the choice of choosing one or the other, the first thing they're going to look at is where you score, where you rank. Obviously, when you're a part of the organization, you know, that doesn't really matter to you. But, you know in terms of getting that talent off the bat they're gonna want to see you know the cool social medias the action shots the flashy stuff um, 2015 wasn't a, a, a great year for the organization and then 2016 going into that summer was a real battle to get you know members in even let alone get vets in you know and I think that had to do most of us were gonna be seniors in high school so that kind of helped like we most of us knew that you know eventually we want to do world class but we you know we're gonna do open class for another year or whatever it is but it took the leadership from some of our older vets um to kind of say look we have to come back and do this and just prove to everybody that we can you know we, we're stronger than we look um and a lot of the season was just proving ourselves to the activity um and i think we kind of did that more of us a, as a service you know because like in 2015 we made finals but if every core would have went to finals because some cores didn't have the finances to, then we wouldn't have made finals score wise. We only made it because not every core made it. In 2016, uh, you know again uh, placements don't really matter, but you know we, we placed 10th and we were comfortably in 10th place. like we earned that placement. And for us it was just we need to come and we just need to show everybody that we can do this. and even though we're small, you know we can we, we've, we deserve a spot in this in this organization. Um, you know, drum corps or whatever it is, and we should be respected. Um, so I think that was kind of the fuel to the fire a little bit. Um, and that's why, you know, most of those kids, we we learned so much that summer from our staff and from the admin. And then all of us ended up, I would say like more than three quarters of that horn line are in world class or marched world class after that. Um, so yeah. it was definitely very, very humbling.
4: Yeah. We got Aaron Christensen no. in the chat saying we got about 17 or 18 ended up actually marching a top 12 corps. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, that was that that's uh, was he aaron you were a horn sergeant he was, in Yeah, he was horn sergeant. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so I think actually charbel brings up a really good point how like the older vets and when like I mean older, it was like
0: the A year vets that older they come
3: back. Yeah, they were a year older <laughs> We had uh, I think two or three that that were above you know, Three years yeah. and yeah. I think all those vets coming back in 2016 we. Already had that bond. We were already like very, very close from the previous season. And if anything, we just got closer um, throughout the camps going into the 2016 season. And I think once, you know, spring training started uh, for 2016, it wasn't really like uh, a decision that was made. It was kind of just like unspoken that like all the best, we kind of like took the rookies under our arms and were like, we will show you what it's like and we will promise you have a good summer and like any rookie from that uh, summer can that like yeah it wasn't easy but like we definitely made the experience memorable and for all the or all the rookies that did want to come back didn't come back so yeah. yeah definitely Charbel brought up a good point there. that.
4: Well as we start watching the show as uh, we all have to watch together this opening hit from you guys is fantastic, by the way. Thanks. And I will quote Jacob Ward. I know we try and keep family friendly, but hey, Jacob, uh, the drum line does sound quite badass. Those tenors are awesome.
1: Yeah, small but mighty for sure like after we only had so many people so the staff to horn member ratio um in this year i guess you could say like you could even hear it now the trumpets are starting there's five trumpets total that's really
2: that's five yeah Yeah. we are just flying (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is like yeah i was like did you you even get breathing counts or anything (laughs) no it's like air maybe i don't
3: remember (laughs) yeah yeah i think the total it was like three tubas five trumpets five mellophones and then here's the kicker, 12 baritones. (laughs) So we were slacking in all sections except the baritone section was just a full baritone section. It was like the joke of the summer. And Maddie, no, you actually, I totally forgot about like the teacher to student ratio. It was like, even though like, because we were so small and we had at least one text per section, it was like, They were able to just jump in and give us fatigue at any moment. Much more
1: personalized than it might be at another court. Yeah, exactly. So, that I do think would
3: count. Yeah, I'm
0: sure that accountability.
1: Someone at your face (laughs) all the time.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you guys sound huge. That's like.
1: It was definitely a fight to get that because a lot of us were very young and experienced. Like, this was for me, this was my first time marching trumpet ever because I was a flute player, so I had Raiders and that was it. But a lot of the other people were like, I think our youngest was in eighth grade at the time. So it was yeah. a very widespread from 14 to 21, which is like the full range of you could possibly have in a drum corps. And I remember this oh. set specifically being interesting to work on. We spent
2: a lot of time on these whirlwind-type of sets. I just remember all the timing challenges that we had.
3: Yeah. That previous set, where we were just going in, like, two big circles around each other, that was, like, supposed to symbolize the world is just being destroyed, or, like, we were a cog in a machine, and then each individual person is, like, flying out, so it's like, oh, the cog is breaking, the machine is breaking, and then now we're going into the battle. Oh, I love him, of Axion. Classic.
1: Yeah, tough act to follow after a couple of years before. Yeah. <laughs> because at this point, there's been two other cores that have done it, and it's very well known. So it's not one of those songs that you can easily, uh, like, change at L Like, the arrangement is probably very, very similar to the other versions that you know, just because it's such an iconic song that people recognize. So if you change it, people are going to know. But we did our We best actually had a,
3: an ongoing joke, because um, one of the baritone texts he marched bluecoats, in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. So this was his ballad. And so every day during rehearsal, he'd be like, Hey Evan, Evan, come here. <laughs> we run over to the bear like, How was that rep of him and Maxim? Was it like just as good as you were? And like he was a nice guy. <laughs> he'd always be like, You almost got it. You're almost there, guys. Like, just keep going. Uh, get yeah. it <laughs> we'll by finals. We'll get it by finals. We'll be just as good as Blue Coat's fourteen.
4: Oh. So, I got a question. So, Aaron Christensen in the chat is saying the trumpets were trying out prototype horns that were meant to replicate the volume production of old-school G-Bugles. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, they the trumpets were...
1: specifically were half soprano, like, G-Bugle cornets and half trumpet trumpets. So, if yeah. you look at any pictures from that time, they had a curve at the, the front and it was... it was just different like i've never seen anything like that in the trumpet so it was yeah new horns which is uncommon for open class which we'll probably talk about that later too but you could probably hear it they're they're a mix of kind of the old school and the new school modern trumpet so if you see any pictures from raiders you'd be able to recognize the crook that they have in the in the front of the horn
4: did
0: they go on to be not in prototype stage or did they
1: I don't know actually.
2: Not very good. I think that's the first time I played a wide board trumpet. Yeah, me too. It really impresses it makes... me how
4: like I work with 1A high school bands in Virginia and we really struggle to get volume and any even though I'm a percussion instructor, I always get our brass playing as loud as possible. It makes me so happy to hear like a sub twenty-five horn line be as loud as you guys are. Because like, yeah. I always have kids tell me, we can't play this loud. It's like, you're, you're asking too much. I'm like, well, here we go. I'm Now I have a standard that my kids can achieve.
1: Yeah, I okay. feel like this is a good video to show younger kids or smaller groups. Because a lot of time we show them drum corps. We show them the big bands, the top five, top ten, yeah, whatever it may 70% be. 70-person horn line. And it's hard to see yourself. It's hard to visualize yourself in one of those kinds of shows when you're at the small high school. And that's all you really know but I feel like seeing something that has kind of a more achievable goal or construction in the show even is is helpful. Interesting. Sure.
4: So you're saying representation matters and that we should have more open class to make kids feel like <laughs> you drum is achievable.
1: Inter- interesting.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's, that. it's to the credit of, of our great yeah. staff that year,
1: because
2: mm-hmm. it, it was always just fundamentals, 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 play with a good sound, symbols. play in tune and then you'll
1: be golden, so... Yeah, that siren is not part of our show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh.
1: That's just an yeah. added natural effect.
0: <laughs> this is why we did... Of the, part of the game. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I'm not sure if uh, you all noticed, but obviously the banners in the back went from, uh, like, industrial smokes into, now they're, like, farmland, whatever. But the yeah. cool thing that I totally forgot about was in the beginning of the show... Everyone in the color guard, they were wearing, like, old-timey overalls, um, yeah. you know, mimicking, working in a like, back. And then now we have uh, the girls wearing bright green skirts, and then the guys wearing, like, khakis. And, and it's, like, that's also, like, another GE physical change that, yeah. like, we were just trying to do, like, as little much, as little as possible, but, like, it... I think even the, the
1: yeah, even the style that the guards dancing in, like they had very very robotic visuals, the horns did too, very robotic visuals in the beginning to simulate that, or simulate the gears in the factory and the industrialization. Jeez, baritones.
4: Sorry, that was just such a loud
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah.
4: I can now hear the 12 baritones. Also, mellows. Coming
1: in. Mellows and trumpets,
4: yeah. yeah. I really didn't mean to interrupt you guys, but I was just like not expecting that loud. No, you're right. <laughs> All 10 high brass
0: doing their job. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, this is like a, a whole attest to everyone had to commit and there was like, you couldn't back out. Um, you couldn't have an off day. Cause if you had an off day, then we were, were missing a tenth of the horn. Mm-hmm. So it was like one of those things where you always had to be on top of your own stuff.
4: Holy crap. You guys didn't have a backfield drum major? No. You guys just it's marched good. like backfield uh, for like 20 counts. What the heck?
2: Uh, Jason, our drum major, shout out Jason, who's getting married this weekend. He was the yeah. tallest drum major in DCI. Yeah. He was like 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, <laughs> so it was not a problem seeing him. <laughs> Even when we returned backfield, you, we could see his yeah. hands.
1: <laughs> and we had a pretty solid drum line. Uh, like, cohesively, rhythmically, they were strong. So any internal pattern they had was helpful enough for us to figure it out.
4: Jeez, that was. Just
0: figure it out.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm gonna sound like the stereotypical judge, but thank you for that. That was, that was, that was really good. Thank you, Raiders, for that performance. <laughs> uh, we got Julia Terry in the chat saying, "Julia, do anything to march the show again? Nothing I've done in the marching arts is compared since then." Um, and we got Aaron Christensen saying Raiders world title year. that didn't have any drum majors.
0: Yeah. 2005. Yeah. We were talking about yeah. that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also Aaron then also said you guys never breathed. So that got oh. confirmed by the horn sergeant. Y'all just. <laughs> so. No breathing counts. Like, man, that was really good. And like I, like I said, I generally was surprised how like loud you were, but in tone. Like I, I call it in tuned and in tone. Um, like how, bo- how like in tone you guys were like that baritone entrance at that, um, for like a bomb bomb, like generally surprised me because I'm like, Oh cool. high brass, low brass. Hello. Like, so I don't know. You, I guess like you guys mentioned like other directors were like giving you compliments of like, you guys sound big. Like how, how are you guys able to achieve that? I guess for younger marchers. Um, cause we always think drum corps is just loud brash, but like, how did you guys like, what was your staff talking to you about? how to play that loud, like within technique and not having a chainsaw sound, basically.
2: Um, you know, I, I think part of it is when, you know, the luxuries of open class, I think, is that you get these younger kids coming in and we don't really know anything, you know what I'm saying? And all we want to do is absorb the information. And like, like, like we mentioned earlier, we were fortunate enough that the staff that year A lot of them were younger, but we also had these people who were established music educators who understood the activity. Um, So a lot of it was, you know, that old Van Doren method of brass playing, where it's, you know, breathe da, breathe da, you know, in time and tone and tune, very simple. It's just, this is how you produce a good sound on your instrument, that's all you need. And like, yeah, we, you know, we weren't like, none of us were gonna go and, um, you know, play in, in the Juilliard Orchestra or anything like that we could play our book and we could play it really well. Right. And we, you know, it was taking the time, you know, the, the luxuries of being in a five person trouble section is you can go through each note and tune everything to each person for every single thing, you know, and you, when you pair that with a wide bore instrument and everyone's playing in tune, that's your sound doubled right there. Um, so for us, it, it, it was just having that education team where everything kind of just clicked and then having kids who just wanted to learn, you know, maybe that's one of the downsides of when you get to to like world class is, you know, uh, we see a lot of people come in who have a lot of experience. And when they try, and they're not very coachable. And then they start to give them information. They're like, oh, I already know. I already know. it." It's like, you no, know, just, you know, this is a different way of doing things. So, you know, fortunately for us, it just it just kind of worked out. But it was all just fundamentals, foundation and just learning how to play the instrument. And then from there, we can do the cool stuff. We can get technical with it. But it took it took a lot of time. Like, if you heard us in winter camps, it was not pretty, <laughs> you know?
3: I think. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, go, go for it. With uh, Yeah, yeah uh, I'm, I'm, like, trying to think back with the horn line. And I'm pretty sure, like, the majority of the horn line, they have not been playing their instrument. Like, the student wise, have not been playing their instrument for longer than two years. Like, I remember I was a saxophone player for, like, six years. And I picked up a baritone for the first time for the fall camp of 2015. And so I was coming into the 2016, like with only a year of practice, technically, whatever, whatever. And a lot of my neighbors in the horn line, like we also only had maybe a year, two years of having the instrument in our hands. So like Charbel brings a very good point that we were still in the learning stages of, of like the instrument itself. And so when, you know, you have, we had, we had two di- different types of staff. We had the on-field staff, um, shout out to sa- uh, snack staff. They told me to give them a the shout out for snack staff. Um, they were all like recent age outs, like within the-, the handful of years, and then we had like the the old guys like up in top of the scaffolding who marched in like the eighties and nineties. And so there was two different perspective of drum. Mike's course, gonna get mad on you. He finds that you yeah, you yeah. Um, shout <laughs> out you're old. Hamilton, I don't think you're old. I um, think you're established. <laughs> um no but like my my point still stands where it's like there's two different sides of drum chords it's kind of like the old school where it's like um park and bark type stuff and and then we had the on field stuff where it's like they still believed in the park and bark type stuff but there was like now a pedagogy to it there was now um like techniques of of like how to increase sound how to increase tone and how to like really listen to your neighbors um and it's like really gotten down to science within like the past five ten years of music education so it's like that different uh dynamic uh really played well for a lot of young new marchers uh, new players as well within the raiders 2016
4: so open class um we're gonna kind of move on from just 2016 raiders and kind of start just talking open class as a whole as we kind of hinted at it in our introduction of of all the circuits in the marching arts, it's really unfortunate that, like, if you're not world class, you really don't get much attention, you know? And I as I'm, like, hearing you guys describe open class, I always, I always used to, like, put DCA and open class in, like, the same category of, like, no one pays attention. But dca at least has a consistent fan base because you have members who go march for like 10 10 years or something and like 30 yeah or 30 or in like and like you have like i think at some i know some courts i have like three generations on the field and like the fourth one's on the way so technically i've heard stories of like four generations on the field at once because like it's that family aspect but that's like not a thing in open class and i think it's strictly because like you know, we, we don't have the representation like flow marching very rarely does videos. I think it's, it's evident by the fact that when we just watched a video of open class, we weren't watching a, like, I know flow marching wasn't a thing that year. We weren't watching a professional grade finals video. Um, And, you know, the only videos I remember from seeing from open class the last few years have been um, either... I think we talked about last night. It's either BDB, SEVC, and then like Legends or Genesis, odd like just video clips, no audio. Or uh, when Remo when Remo Percussion specifically puts out their DCI and review, they'll play the drum lines, and they'll play all of them. So I will see the only drum lines that are using Remo, um, which isn't a ton to be honest down there because Evans is like I guess the bigger one currently, and. Yeah, so like, I guess um, as you guys marched, it, marched the circuit, I like, you know it's crazy. You guys found out about Open Class from word of mouth when Drum Corps, I can just share a video to my students, but like I have to tell them about Open Class. So I guess how did you as members feel in a season where like you guys were doing some really awesome stuff? And I think it's crazy the fact that like a 22-person horn line you know, has like i don't know i'll let you guys I'll, I'll let you guys talk about that a bit and like maybe is flow marching doing a good job could they do better i don't want to say like flow marching's not doing any job at all that's not what i'm saying it's just could they be doing better and as past open class members how do you feel about the way open class is represented via
2: media I, man no I, one I, wants to jump in <laughs> i can jump in i'm i'm ready um yeah they I have, a, I, have a, I have a couple opinions on that so yeah like you mentioned when we were marching uh flow marching wasn't a thing and i remember like when we would get a tweet out from dci or something like that and it was a big deal you know um and to me it all comes down to how it's branded and obviously it starts from you know the parent organization dci and then you know that continues to flow marching or whatever it is drum corps in itself isn't a very popular activity like, this is just a very niche group of us who do it. Um, so, just convincing someone to do drum corps it already, you know, but then the way that you market open class, I think, needs to be completely different. Like, um, if you ask somebody what open class is, you're going to get a million different answers. And I, I for, for me, at least when I talk to people who march open class, the majority of them are there because they want to end up somewhere else. Um, A lot of the people coming into Drum Corps now are in college and they don't have a lot of years left on their kind of like age out list. So they're going to want to go to a world class corps and march a year or two and then age out. So I think it's marketing open class to these younger individuals saying you can do this when you're in high school. It's a cheaper alternative to Drum Corps. And then we're going to train you and give you the tools necessary so that when you go to this next step, then you can do that. Or if you choose to stay here, that's fine, too. And you can stay here and there's a home for you here. But I don't think it's okay to tell kids that, you know, if they go to an open class core, they need to stay there and they need to age out there. You shouldn't guilt them into that. Instead, if we market it as, okay, you come here, we will help you achieve that next step, whatever it is for you, then um, that's probably a good way to get that involvement in, you know, and maybe that comes with partnering with, a, a you know, a, a world-class core and treating it as like a major league and a minor league team, you know, um, that, you know, it could it could be a lot of things, but... To me, it always comes down to branding and access, because there's a we have a, you know there's a problem in the community right now that I'm not going to get into, uh, but like there's a there's an issue where you know we maybe we don't have as much representation um, in world class because of finances, you know, and we're kind of lacking in certain departments. So is the, the, we're we're losing out a lot of great talent because they just can't afford to march world class, and and then to them it's like I'm not going to march anywhere because it's not worth it for me to go to an open class core. I want to I be at the best. I want to be at the best. But, you know, we had some of our greatest experiences marching in open class. You know, And so I think it's saying marketing it, making it flashy, making it look cool. That's a lot, of, a lot of what it is for like a new, the newer generation of, of indi- individuals coming to the activity. They want to see cool social media profiles. They want to see cool videos. They want to like see the nice splashy horns. Like that's what it is now. And then if that's okay, if that's what gets them in the door, and then you teach them the principles, then you teach them the tradition, then you teach them all that great stuff that we love about the activity. But in order to get that started, we have to rebrand and we have to, and start to appeal and create access to more individuals who really don't have the opportunities or don't even know that it exists.
1: There's definitely a stigma surrounding open class as either like, Um, inferior, or they're just a stepping stone for a world class, like this is not the final destination. And I think that's important to recognize. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing, because again, that idea of perfection is usually displayed by the world class cores. But there's also some pretty darn good open class cores who are making uh, semis or prelims or something up there where they're being recognized usually, but you'll see at at shows that there's usually an empty or nearly empty stands for the earlier cores, the open class cores, even the lower world class cores that fills up slowly as the night goes on at a show. And then once you get to those higher level cores per se, you have full stands. So I don't know exactly what causes that stigma, but the idea that open class is just a passing point is kind of discrediting all of the educators that are working there, all of the kids that choose that to be their first place or their only place. Like, I don't think there should be a negative, um, any kind of negative idea of staying in open class because for some people that's either all they can afford, that might be all they want to do. Like they're perfectly content with the experience they have. Like we were saying before, like you said, Charvel, we all had really great experiences that year. If I didn't want to go to another open class, world-class core, I would have like, I would stay. It's one of those things where like the environment that you're around is if it's worth, if it's really nice and if you have a good time, then I don't think there should be any judgment on there. And that's something that isn't exposed to the community. A lot of people just when they hear the words open class, they're like, oh, or like I would never do that. But it's it's a great resource, it's a great option. And we shouldn't be treating it like it's not because it, it really can be. And for some people it's the only option. So we shouldn't be able to to discredit or shame people who only have that option or choose to stay in that option
4: yeah and i think like with i know i know we briefly also like at least last night talked like socioeconomic and like availability of like funds and stuff like that like i think it's one of those without going into too much detail about why society is the way it is and certain um in
0: a society
4: (laughs) and uh like how certain people groups just don't have as much access to money as others. Like, again, sometimes open class is the only one they can afford. Um, And I think that's like a really big factor of, you know, I have a student that I, my first drum corps student, I I think Joey's watching tonight. He's coming on a podcast next week with us. Uh, I got one of my kids in the drum corps I'm super happy about it. Like he got to go to Raiders. And like when we were starting to talk, like with his parents, like, like he was like, I want to go to drum corps. And I went, cool. I need to go talk to your mom about finances before we go through with this because, like, that's going to be the reason you don't make it anywhere. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, it's $5,000 to march. And he he gave me a look like, what? I went, yeah, it's you have to pay. If you want to go crown cadets or anywhere else, it's like $5,000. And that is, like, the minimum in some parts of the country. And then we started talking other groups once he didn't make those. And he was like, oh, I can afford Raiders. And, like, that was, like, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, I can afford this. Um, and then it's like I'm gonna I can afford this and I can save up for other cores later. And I think, you know, even if we like mention the fact that like it's a cheaper option for some people, like we don't do that. Like even in the DCA crowd, um, I feel very proud of my two years. Uh, it's all I could have done because I didn't. I found out about drum corps late, but like I spent four thousand dollars over two summers to go march, and I think I got a great education. I'm not working in music ed anymore, so I don't need that but i still gain some skills and i like i think you're right charbell if you just like maybe i know some groups have partnerships with uh open class cores like bdb and scvc um cadets have had a couple over the years um and some other people have had that which like i don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing but um i don't know sebastian what do you think about the issue
3: so i would, I would actually like i totally agree with uh, the the conversation that's like sometimes open class is like all you can afford and it's like one of those sad realizations where it's like there are so many talented kids um that you know it's like oh i want to march cadets i want to march blue coats i want to i want to go to bd and it's like they have these incredibly ambitious goals and but they're like i can't afford anything so it would have to be you know asking for friends you know making funds uh online to raise money but that's not sustainable over like more than a summer. And so like the the whole advertising and like marketing um open class to a different crowd. Cause I feel like with world class, and like I don't want to blame Flow Marching for not advertising open class um as much because it's really one of those things where it's like if you're gonna advertise drum core, you wanna advertise the big cores, you wanna advertise like the big horn lines the clean beats, you want to advertise like the best color guard. Um, and most of the time, like, sorry to say this, but most of the time it's not in, in an open class course. Most of the time it's in one of the world class courses, And um, it's like one of those things where it's like, you can advertise these big flashy things to, you know, college kids, uh, soon to be graduates of high school kids, and it would attract them. And most of the time they would jump into it. So it's like with the advertising of open class or with the conversation of open class, really changing it to, um, like there is another option. There are more options than just world class. Like that's kind of what it has to come to. And Maddie, you, you actually made me remember how sometimes we'll go to shows with, you know, the cadets or Boston or crown or even like DD. And we would perform at like 3 PM. And then like the header of the show would perform at 9 PM. And so we'd come, we'd warm up, do our show at, 4 p.m. in front of like two sets of parents, and then like a random drum corps fan, and then like that'd be our show. And then the rest of the night is just for free for us. So it was like, as a marcher in in open class that like I knew I wanted to march world class sometime in the future, that was like one of the things that was driving me. It was like, okay, I have to really push myself as like musically, I have to push myself visually um, throughout this summer. So that the next summer or summer after that, I'm able to show what skills I've created. I've built up the past couple of years to when I audition somewhere else. And then that's kind of how I thought of my 2016 season. And and looking back at it, I don't regret it. Like, I truly enjoyed the season, like, in the moment. But I feel like if I didn't have those future goals of, like, I want to march world class in the future, then it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I can, I'm, I'm just as good as I'll ever be. You know, so it, it's 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 a tough conversation and it, it's going to be hard for open class to stay sustainable if no one wants too much open class.
2: Well, I to add to that real quick, I when you mentioned the fans going on early um, to me, it's like, you know, it, And I always have this idea in my head where, like, you know, you have these high school groups, high school band, different circuits are better than other circuits. And obviously, BOA is like the pinnacle of high school band. Right. And then, you know, right after that's DCI. And to me, it's like, okay, DCI, Marching Music's Major League. I'm like, sweet. I'm in Marching Music's Major League. Like, this is awesome. And then I go to a show and there's 10 people in the stands and half of them are on their phones, you know, and. Why would you? Why would you go from your high school? Your high school is playing grand nats in front of like over you know thousands, thousands of people, and now you're you know you're in marching music's major league, and you're playing in front of ten people who don't care what you're doing. So why why wouldn't you want to get to world? Why wouldn't you want to get to finals and perform in front of forty thousand people and do all this cool stuff? So maybe a, a part of it too is saying how do we get more fans? How do we make open class feel more like you know, the top cores or those types of groups. Because a lot of that is, it's like, where, where's the payoff for the performers? Because you're putting all this time and you're putting all this energy in. You're not getting treated the same as these other groups because you, your core doesn't have the money for it. So why why do you do it? And I think it always comes down to the performance. What is that? What are you getting out of this? And if you're not getting anything out of the performance, then you're not going to have that retention. You're not going to have new people coming in. That's just my, my thought on that. yeah And date to totally day to day.
1: Day to day, it's (laughs) essentially the same thing as what world class people are doing. Like you get up, you go fill your water jug, you eat at the food truck, you walk over to the field, you do your stretches and PT and then you rehearse. And then if it's a show day, you pack up your props. If you have props like Raiders, that was the first year that we had the, the prop. Well, not the first year, but we had props and they were like significant and we used them and stuff like that. But we didn't have props in 2015. So it was a big deal for those of us who were into our second year. Um, but yeah, it's it's essentially the same exact thing. You same rehearsal day schedules. It's just a shorter time span, a shorter schedule in the long-term over the summer. So you're still getting that drum corps experience. And some people will even debate like open class versus DCA versus DCI world-class, like who's really drum corps. Like what if, if you don't go on tour, is it still drum corps? If you're only there for a week and a half, is it still drum corps? But they all, they're all going out to the same thing. The performances, if you were to watch three different, like one from each class subcategory back to back, Would you necessarily know which which group belongs in which category? And the answer is a lot of the time you could say it's no because they're all putting out a similar product. It's just the means to which you get to that product is different.
0: Yeah, speaking to sort of both of those points uh, that have been raised, I think it's sort of like, almost like a cycle where, um, you know, people don't demand content online from like open class cores and stuff like that and so there isn't there isn't money to producing content about them like there's no like um flow marching day with the um x y drum line so then people don't make like a personal connection with the core and so they don't show up early to the show when they um are in town um and it sort of goes on and on where you know it's sort of stuck in place um but to your other point i think uh, what these groups really do well is, is preparing for pe- preparing people for just how to drum core, which I think is like the biggest difference in a world-class group between um, like a person who has never done drum core before, but is um, a really talented uh, marcher and musician versus someone who's um, done a couple years at some other chorus. Um And when they say out auditions, like uh, the best way to come back next year if you get cut is to march somewhere else. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, So I I guess my question here is how do you think open class really like taught you how to drum corps and like um, did you really notice that like when you were in world class that you had sort of leg up and just like how to live your life and um, be part of the drum corps and stay somewhat same?
4: And I'll, I'll preface this if you can talk about the DCA wall. And whoever answers the question, oh. talk about that. <laughs> but I think it's I know like just just because I know I marched at a feeder core that was designed to get people in the world class, but I I, I thought that yeah, point wow. was interesting. So whoever discussed but that's a open, weekend
0: drum core. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's
4: weekend can drum three days core, at a time. Weekend drum core to get higher up versus open class to get higher up. If someone wants to talk about that. Because I think the DCA point is interesting here.
3: Yeah, I guess I'll talk about that because that kinda this is kinda like my internal thought process. So I uh, marched two years at the cadets um, and I didn't really see it until my second year. I didn't really internalize it and like understand what it was. But there are two set. There are two different walls that rookies always hit in a world class summer. And this is my thesis. I, I will be going into grad school. I'm not going to grad school and I will be writing about this thesis. I will not be writing about this thesis. Um, <laughs> and so the first wall uh, as a vet, that you will see rookies hit is if they march DCA previously before their first world class experience summer, they would always hit a major wall on day four or five. And the reason behind that is, you know, DCA's is, is all weekends. They always go for two and a half days, and then they get a break for five days. I've I've heard that like oh they go on a mini tour for five days, uh, maybe six, and then that's it. That's like the most that they've ever been on quote unquote tour. So when they do their first world-class summer, day four is like the hardest day of spring training for them. And it's like, that's totally understandable because that's kind of like what they have trained their own body. That's kind of what they train their mind to do. The second set of wall is usually on month two. So once like the fourth week ends and like the spring training ends, that first, that second wall, is always hit by the open class people. And so it's like the same concept. It's like all these open class kids, they come in, they've never marched world class before, and like three or four weeks in, they just get this big wall. And they're like, man, I don't know why, I do it, why I'm doing this, the whole wall talk. And it's usually the same reason as DCA kids hitting the wall, except earlier, is that that's all they've trained to do. That's like the mental, physical of only three or four weeks, that's like the longest they've ever gone. And so I feel like, you know, it's not an advantage which way or other. It's not like, oh, you'll hit more walls if you march DCA. It's not that. It's it's just a funny observation that I saw as a, as a vet in at the cadets. And that's like one of the things that Open Class kind of has a leg up on DCA where, you know, you could go a full spring training at, without hitting a major wall because it's like, oh, I've done this before. I've, I've been on tour. I've done spring training for three, four weeks. And I feel like that's that that's one of the things that open class has uh, on top of DCA, which is uh, something interesting that I didn't see until my
2: last year of drum corps. Yeah, I, else can I, almost, jump in. <laughs> I almost think when you're marching a, like when you're marching a prelims corps, even a, a semis corps, um, like I'm talking about, you know, world-class corps that don't make it to finals. And then, the prelims cores like those open class cores that don't make it to semis you you kind of you go through it a little bit and um it all the way up until really like a a few years ago there there was stuff happening in open class that was happening in like the 80s and the 90s that shouldn't have ever been happening it shouldn't have ever been going on they unfortunately for the activity there's been a a whole wave of reform happening in in the community because people are speaking up and saying stuff about it, you know? So, but again, we have this stigma now where, and this is maybe the fall of, of the membership and the alumni where we go now and we're like, oh, like, ha, 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 when I was here, like we, our water was like brown and then you know the showers didn't work. And oh yeah, like, you know, we rehearsed on grass, but the grass was only, but the field was like half the size of a normal field and all this, and it's kind of like a badge of honor, so to say. And where it's like, Oh, I went through all this stuff. I went, it was so difficult. It was so challenging. And if you're telling me that and I'm 15 years old and I want to audition for drum corps, I'm like, no way. Like, there's no way I would ever want to do that. You know what I'm saying? And you know, fortunately uh, now the activity isn't like that. And if that stuff, you know, like if you're not getting fed for a meal, or you're not sleeping or whatever, you can go and you can say something about it and you're actually going to be heard and something's going to get done about it. That's going to change. That goes for any court in the activity that'll happen because you're going to actually be heard. And, but that wasn't a thing up until I would say three years ago, you know, and it, it sounds a little crazy to say because it's like, you know, 2015, 2016, like this is a 21st century. I'm not saying that we were treated terribly. Like, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is there there, there are things that have happened or happened where that are, you know, distasteful to new members. And a lot of times when we say these things like again like i said like like a badge of honor you kind of like you kind of went through it then you know people are gonna stray away from wanting to do the activity after and then you know when to answer the second part of your question gareth when you go into world class and something bad happens you're ready for it (laughs) you know (laughs) like i wouldn't I, i don't think i would ever you know obviously i wouldn't want anyone to go through the difficult times that i went through in drum corps you know, cause you always want it to be better. You always want to leave it better than you found it. Of course, sorry, I not mean to right? laugh that loud. That's a really good, no, uh, good point, and, but you know- no, when, It's a hundred percent true too.
3: I don't want to like uh, dro- drop a, a, a big story, but like in the 2018, we had a situation where we were promised a free day, but then that free day was got taken away and it got turned into a rehearsal day, totally <laughs> blown up situation. And it was funny looking at the different people that were reacting differently, and me as an open class member, I was like, "Oh well, our full free day it got
2: turned into a half free day. That sounds yeah. like a pretty good deal." Like, well, I don't it's know, like most I'm of our like here. most of the open class core is like, "Oh, this is great." Or like in twenty nineteen, you know, we had to deal with props and cadets and all this stuff. And I don't want to go into that, but you know, it's like, okay, this is difficult and it's it's rough, but we're getting through it. And like, I had eggplant for. For dinner yesterday and that's amazing like i love that <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like i mean like i mean eggplant like why am i complaining about how difficult my life is like this is amazing you know what i mean so it's a, it's a different type of of challenge but when you hear things from alumni whatever generation it is and they t- they're always going to tell you the, the difficult things that they went through right and, I Monday, almost, <laughs> yeah, and i would almost yeah
0: and i i would almost caution <laughs> South it's not middle school it's <laughs>
2: It's not okay. There were holes in the field and everyone broke their ankles. Like be careful when you tell people this kind of stuff because you don't know how someone's going to take it and you don't know how they're going to spread that. Cause if I have a million stories about whatever X, Y, and Z drum corps about all the terrible stuff that I had to go through and then I'm like, but it was great. It was awesome. You should, you know what I mean? They're just going to hear the bad things. Um, so that's, that's my only thing on that. Maddie, anything you got that you
4: picked up from open class that helped you in world class?
1: I'd say about the same I'll echo both of them there's just like a different outlook that you have going into it because you've done it once twice however many times you've kind of gotten yourself used to a certain expectation and then that could either change or stay the same based on where you go I guess but um, I think the biggest transition is just the the resources that you have available to you as a world-class core is usually a lot different than what you have as an open class core like the the housing situations even like the fact that you have like working showers you have more than one working shower you have a certain colored water and I think the biggest one I'm thinking of is the the grass versus turf situation like it was a luxury a luxury to have open class turf at our at, at any point in our tour um, whereas with world class that kind of just is the expectation a lot of the places you say at just have these giant turfs fields and they have all these amenities and there's a lot of different options. Like I remember sleeping in, uh, it it was like a high school I think, but it was like a compound and it was as big as an airplane hangar. Like it was huge or like an airport, not an airplane hangar, but it was as big as an airport and there were like wings shooting off it all over the place. And it was insane. And I was like, this is a school? But that's a little besides the point. But the, the idea that you have a different level of accessibility if you're in that world-class thing is definitely true. Like you get, you feel like you're in a hotel and you've been living in like a one bedroom, 500 square foot apartment. And then you're like in this penthouse suite. Like it's it's a very big transition that either I think people take it well and they're like, oh, this is awesome. I now have all this new stuff. And then they're like, why, wait, why did I never have that in the first place? Where do the disparities lay? And how come, like, what can I do to bring that that kind of luxury that we're saying is is available to a lot of world-class cores down to an open-class core. And I think that kind of roots back to what we were talking about before with financials and support. Um, something we didn't mention, I don't think, is alumni. And I think there's a lot of open-class cores. Again, like we said, all of us went to world-class cores, and there's a lot of open-class alumni who are members of more than one alumni group because they did that. And a lot of them might be quick to support their world-class groups before they support their open-class groups. And there's a lot of kind of uh i don't want to say like a divide but it's it's kind of true in a way there's a lot more alumni support and there's just more alumni for these world-class courses because they have like a hundred and something members whereas we had 80. like just the sheer number allowing for the influx of donations and even volunteers like for the food truck or for props or anything like that uh can really make or break uh someone's experience so being able to come from a core that had very little and be introduced into a core that had quite a lot in more than one case is a, a world of a difference. And I don't wanna say that it completely shifts your experience because I had a great time everywhere. Like they were different, but I wouldn't say one is worse than the other, they're just different. And so, when you reflect back on that, like now having been removed from the activity and from the marching, like the shoes of a marcher um, for over a year, it's weird to think back on all of that and just be like, wow, this was so different. Every single place I marched that was so different, but I wouldn't change anything. Like, I think I was in the exact right place at the right time. And my, my journey just happened to line up exactly with where I was progressing as a musician and a marcher. So um, I feel like that's probably a shared experience with a lot of people who went from open class to world-class.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, it reminds me of that <laughs> Beatles quote. Uh, it was uh, you, you are... always be where you're you'd always meant to be. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, yeah, we're wow, gonna start.
3: Beatles. Wow, Beatles, Beatles, <laughs> Beatles, <laughs> 2019. Beatles wow. Uh,
0: yeah, so we're gonna start uh, wrapping up and going to closing comments. Um, so I guess, um, before that, I just wanted to say that uh, you're a long time viewer of the, the of the show um, we're gonna start doing more live um, content on Thursdays rather than Mondays just because visuals have shaken up a bit um, but other than that um, I'm just really glad that we learned today the the power of a really small horn line <laughs> so thank Jeez, you for that so and uh, definitely the the value of of marching a, a, a small horn line and the value of uh, getting a lot of uh, tech attention um, so thank you all for Coming on and uh, talking about the show and talking about Open Class. It was great to to talk with you all.
1: Thank you, Gareth, for inviting
2: Thanks, us. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks, David. Awesome. Yeah, it's another uh, very on. Yeah, I guess. I guess we'll <laughs> just Smash, do, you, do you
0: have anything? Uh, uh, any closing comments? <laughs>
2: And we'll, we'll just go around.
1: <laughs> so a danger-
2: Those are dangerous words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just yeah. want to, I'll, well, I'll say it's really nice to be like that you guys are doing this and you're taking into consideration different perspectives in the activity because like we're discussing this whole hour there's not a lot of visibility for these lower open class cores and a lot of people don't know about them unless they're, there's local members that they know or they're like a lot, I think a lot of open class cores are, are very local membership Like people don't fly across the country to march at Raiders. Although we did have members from Idaho and California, which is incredible. Um, So there's always an outlier in some of those cases. But for the most part, we were centrally based from New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And I think like maybe Maryland, some of those tri-state area states. So exposure is, is a big thing in terms of recruitment. So this was probably helpful.
4: Thank you. We really have been, that was one of the things that when before we brought uh on, it was just Cyrus and I, and, like, we actually, like, had conversations um, that, like, we, we were very specific of, like, we want to do this, we want to do that, and, like, sadly, like, it's it sucks, but, like, open class is one of those, like, we actually, like, kind of, we were focusing so much on DCA, we forgot open class, and, which, again, it kind of, we fell into the own stigma that we were trying to avoid of, like, getting that out there, but I will back up Maddie's comment and just, uh, support garris before we go to closing with sharbell and uh sebastian we actually are reformatting the way we do free days as well um we're we're not we don't have names for them yet but basically what we're describing them is that like the first whatever the month is going to be like old timey day but we're trying to describe when old like what is old. just keep it like that (laughs) um but like pre-2000s yeah is it is old timey like 2009 and back or is it 2000 and back like we're trying to figure what we want to do uh, we're gonna have like a specific like world class day and then open class DCA day where we're like we're only doing open class stuff and then our basics block um, which we have a basics block next week which we'll talk about at the end um, like we're actually like having like on our calendar it's like okay we're only doing open class this day of the month and we're gonna make sure we get that because like, like you guys said it's we like this podcast because it's really fun talking of members because like every every director basically says the same thing of we're trying to be innovative we're trying to do this. This is how we did it. And like, I love those podcasts and I think they're great, but I think it's been a lot of fun just being like, Hey, talk about your dot book. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, this thing was interesting. And it's always fun to hear from the members talk about like, so that like cult of personality director that just did like three interviews. That was super fantastic. What, what were they saying? And some members are just like, I don't know. And those are like super interesting podcasts just to like break down the culture of course that the members perceive rather than like what the directors say is there. That that makes any sense. It's, it's been a blast talking about this stuff. Um, Charbel, any closing comments, any, uh, right foot step off things you want to talk about?
2: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll plug, I'll plug two organizations actually. So, um, if you heard anything about the Raiders, you are young and you're interested or you're older and interested and you don't want to spend the money to March world. Or you just want to get your foot in the door and drum corps um you know search the raiders on google and find out how you can get involved yeah, the in raiders that.
4: drum and bugle corps
2: Raider, yeah then you're gonna to go to the football team if you just type in the raiders so raiders drum and bugle corps um word i'm not affiliated um, with them anymore i don't know about maddie raiders Sebastian.
0: football drum and bugle corps yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um but, but i hear great things are happening there so um do that also Um, I'm the horn sergeant of the cadets. We are always looking to bring on new individuals. Uh, 2021 is fast approaching. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but if you'd like to get involved, um, we're not allowed to have open auditions yet, but please reach out to either myself, Dr. Matt Stratton. You can go on the cadets website and you can just figure out how to get involved, but we'd love to see you at an audition or send a video or anything. Um, So yeah, those are my shameless plugs. (laughs) Duh, duh, duh. Sebastian, what do you got? Uh,
3: honestly, nothing. <laughs> I'm just finishing up my senior year at Rutgers. Uh, I don't know. Be nice to each other. Uh, help a neighbor. Wear your mask. Uh, what other things can I say?
0: And we're That's looking it. forward just to your good. thesis uh, coming soon. Yes.
3: Yeah. Uh, honestly, now that I've, I've said it out loud i might just uh create a long facebook post in th- instead of a thesis about how uh different people hit walls at different times um and it might be an interesting read it just might be me ranting who knows
1: make what? it a full-out study where you have a google form that people fill
3: yes. out yeah like a
1: humans of new york series but it's for people when they
4: um thank you guys so much for coming out to drum corps podcast uh we love to have you guys and i hope everyone has a box five week
3: Thanks for having me.
4: Bye. Bye.